Average Joe Podcast. I am Brandon Avera. Wow, we've got a lot to talk about today. I mean, we really do. I got a couple things to say real quick, though. So if you guys listened to last week's episode, it was part one of my hip-hop series. And man, I got to tell you, I'll probably dive into this more when we get to part two, but I got some hate. It, it amazes me when people say comments like this. Tell me, you're, tell me you're white without telling me you're white. Even though you can see my picture. From a white guy, mind you. Everybody knows Easy e is not a great rapper. You're not saying anything new. Shut up. Okay. Well, my whole episode was not about Easy e It was... I was thinking about when you think about hip-hop and you think about some of the icons and when you think about some of these phenomenal artists and groups and, and songs that have come out, you know, Easy e is in the conversation. What do you know? Your podcast is gay. They're now telling me that my podcast has a sexual preference and it's gay. It just, it just unbelievable. It's just, uh, you know, I don't even care. I don't know why I gave those people the acknowledgement, but here's an idea. Here's something real quick. I, I, I'm going to tell you. Since some of you probably new to that episode and some of you, you know, new to the podcast and some of you out there listen to that episode as maybe your first one. Or maybe you guys have listened this whole time. I feel like some of these people have been listening the whole time. I don't give a crap. I don't care. I don't care. I literally said that this was part one of a two-part conversation. So why don't you wait for the second part and then you can understand what I'm saying. And if you disagree with me, that's awesome. Because I also said I am a no expert. I'm telling you my opinion are based off facts. This isn't some like scientific method that proves who's overrated and who's the greatest and why. It's an opinion. It's a conversation. But I also don't give a crap. So can't wait till you guys come back next week and you can hear my part two. And then I'll really piss some people off. I might piss some people off in this episode that we're getting into right now, but guess what? I don't care. So this week, we had a big, big series come to an end. I mean, we had a major series, 176 episodes, 11 seasons, eight, eight webisodes, 101 from a spinoff, a two-season spinoff as well with more to come, video games, action figures, Funko Pops, Podcast, The Talking Dead, a post show. Amazing. 12 years, 11 seasons. The Walking Dead had its series finale from its flagship, and at the time when it came out, only show this past Sunday. So if you guys have not watched it and you want to, I suggest that you tread lightly on this episode. More so. In the second part of this episode, you might be safe in the first part. If you've never started The Walking Dead, I don't know if you want to listen to this episode at all. If you don't care about The Walking Dead, you should still listen because it's my episode. But I'm just giving you guys fair warning, okay? I don't want to hear, oh, you spoiled the episode for me after you listened to it for 45 minutes and I warned you. 
The Walking Dead. Man, The Walking Dead was huge. Let's go back in time, shall we? Let's go back in time to when The Walking Dead made its debut. The Walking Dead number one. And I'm talking about the, the publication. Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore. Obviously, it was written by Kirkman. Tony Moore did the illustrations. And remember, well, he was only in through, I think, like six, the first six episodes or first six issues. And then after that, it went to Charlie uh, Adlard, I believe. Um, but Tony Moore did the penciling and, and did the did the, the inking and all that on the comic books. Although it was black and white for the most part. Until they did the spinoffs and then their second run of the series, they re-released it in color. Black and white to me made it really, really amazing. But if you look at it, Kirkman, who was a huge fan of the Living Dead zombie series... Zombie 2, zombie video games such as Resident Evil. Kirkman had an idea. His original pitch was for a follow-up to George Romero's Night of the Living Dead series, and it took place in the 60s. Now, Image Comics, the co-founder at the time, Jim Valentino, suggested, hey, look, we're gonna use an you should use an original concept concept instead, so we can make this property ours. Now the the pitch went back and forth, and it was finally revised. An original story it took more of a traditional approach to the zombies, and it was like a survival tale. And it was rejected. They said it was too normal, too cliche. So Kirkman then said, I got a new idea. What if this zombie plague was sent by aliens and that the plague would obliterate the defenses of the United States, defenses of the world, basically cripple the economy, kill everybody, wipe out most of the population so that the aliens could come down and invade and basically take over the world, find whatever resources they need, and so on. Pretty interesting, right? But Kirkman had no intention of making the comic book about aliens. But he said that the lie was necessary to get the comic published, and it did. Had that not happened, we would not have The Walking Dead today, or at least anything like that. So it debuted in 2003 at Image Comics, and it was a hit from then. Now, it was really cool because what I liked about it was, and I remember reading all these now, I didn't finish these series till The Walking Dead was well on because the series ended in 2019 pretty abruptly while The Walking Dead was still thriving despite some of the discrepancies and despite what people may thought The Walking Dead was still thriving in 2019 coming to an end we knew it was creeping around the corner but Kirkman decided to end it but what I liked about it was at the end there were several pages at the end of the comic books and they were like letters or mails or emails sent by readers to the comic to Kirkman. And Kirkman would write this section with his editor and answer these questions and discuss the comic. So it was almost like you had these The Talking Dead episodes that we got used to from the television show. You almost had these in the comic books with Kirkman. And I really thought that was cool. It gave it that more personal touch and it gave it that more unique feel that comic books had. Now, the story itself, as far as The Walking Dead goes, it focused on Rick Grimes, but he was a Kentucky cop 
and he awakes in a coma from the zombie apocalypse. Okay, no problem. Very similar, right? He's joined by other survivors. He takes the role of a leader, and they, they have this community, and it struggles to face the challenges of the zombie apocalypse from obviously the disease, the zombies, supplies, other groups, lack of military, lack of health care, what to do to build their defenses. Very similar to the TV show. However, the TV show definitely strayed a lot from the comic books. A lot of people weren't sure how it felt, how they felt, I should say, about the fact that it, it took liberties with characters. There were some really huge discrepancies in the comic books. One of the biggest ones, and one of the biggest story arcs, was called Days Gone By. And that was basically the very first, first part of the Walking Dead series, and, and the first part of the show. But what's different is, we all know Shane. You guys remember Shane? Shane dies pretty early on in this story arc. When Rick basically finds his wife Lori and his son Carl and his partner Shane... They had had, they weren't having an affair. It was a one night stand. It wasn't about that Shane was falling in love with, with Lori and all this. And, and Lori became, and Shane became obsessed like we saw on the TV show. It was basically a one night stand. Carl shoots Shane in the comic books. Shane becomes a zombie, just like in the TV series. Very different though. Now in the comic books, he's a Kentucky deputy. Very similar to what it is in the TV show. But things start to kind of move progressively fast in the comics as opposed to the TV show. We have these moments in the TV show where really that first season, that very first season, is all about the group connecting and trying to find hope and peace and leave Atlanta and move forward or get out of there. They also find the prison. And the again, the series and the cart the series and the cartoon. The series and the comic books have these story arcs. That's what's interesting about the series is you have these story arcs like the prison, Michonne, Woodbury, all these key moments, the you know, the governor, Negan. All these key things. You know, Gabriel. It's really interesting because they also have the cannibals, you know, Terminus. They have the, the, the Whisperers. They have the Commonwealth. So all these people and all these major storylines are in the comics, but they, they, they switch them so much. They switch them a lot. You have the kingdom with Ezekiel. In the comics, Rick doesn't disappear. 
to go look for, you know, to sacrifice himself to save the community. Rick's there pretty much the whole time. Rick's there till the end of the battle at the Commonwealth. Very different. Very different than the TV show. Even Eugene's character is different. Yes, Eugene is still kind of the same, but he, he, he does different things. So a lot of people weren't sure how to take that. And of course, with a TV show, you can, you, can, you can do things that you can't do in the comic books and vice versa. In the comic books or even a book, you can do things that you can't do in a TV show. They don't translate well. But for the most part, those first few seasons, I'd say first three, four, five seasons of The Walking Dead hit hard. Ratings through the roof. People were obsessed with it. I was, and it was new. We had not had this zombie show that was worth anything. Yeah, we had zombie movies, even cartoons, different one-offs, but we didn't have a show that was a weekly show that connected us to these characters like The Walking Dead. We didn't have it to where the zombies, and by the way, they were never called zombies. People called them rotters, walkers, I think stench or stinks or something. There's all kinds of different, they were never called zombies in The Walking Dead. I cannot think of one time that they did that, and I thought that was really cool. And I like the way that they approach the zombies. You know, we've seen so many different zombies 28 Days Later, you know, Fast, The Night of the Living Dead, or, or not Light of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead remake, these fast-running zombies, I Am Legend, those style. What, what I thought was cool with The Walking Dead was they focused on the amount of them. Yes, later we get into some different style of zombies, but they focused on the amount of them. I mean, put yourself in a position where... Let's say you're in a CVS or a Walgreens and all of a sudden there's like 50 people in there. It's busy. It's holiday season. It's busy. It's you and a couple other people. There's 50 people in there. 40 of those people turn into a zombie. There's 10 of you that are alive. 10 against 40 and you're trying to get out. Imagine the size of the CVS and 40 zombies looking at you in a herd, a pack, all coming at you. Chances are one of you, if not more, are not making it out of there alive. Extrapolate that by thousands. That's what they did. I thought it was very cool. I mean, I'll never forget the scene when they're in Atlanta and Rick's just kind of chilling. It's his first encounter with Glenn and he's chilling and all of a sudden he turns the corner and bam! Hundreds. The city's empty. You don't even hear the walkers. You see cars and broken glass and buildings and downed helicopters and army tanks and dead everywhere. But you don't see any walkers. You don't see any zombies until Rick turns the corner. Bam, they're all there. Hundreds of them. He hurries up. He's on a horse and turns the corner to go down another street. Bam, there's hundreds of them. It's not about them moving fast. And even though in The Walking Dead, they did kind of start to move a little fast when they were coming at you, when they were 
hungry or to attack you. Some better than others. Some could walk better than others. Others were just, you know, pieces of bodies and limbs were ripped off and they had to crawl. Or or maybe they were even, I remember there was a walker stuck in a tree. Like the tree grew around the dead body, but the walker was still alive. So he was kind of moving his head. And yeah, if you got close, you were going to get bit, but he wasn't getting out of that tree. Or the infamous scene when they had to get a walker out of the well because it was going to poison the water that they were drinking. And he's trapped in the well and he had been down there and the water just bloated his skin and his skin was falling off. I mean, they did some amazing things with these walkers. Unique positions, unique circumstances, the way they looked, everything. But I'll never forget that scene in the first episode or maybe it was the second episode where... Rick is trapped. He actually has to run inside an army tank to save himself because the walkers are so many of them. It wasn't about being fast. It was the numbers, wave after wave after wave. And and they showed that throughout, for the most part, the series, the constant waves of walkers. They would eventually get to you because it was a numbers game. I mean, these guys burned, killed, slaughtered, beheaded, massacred, well, I guess you can't really massacre dead zombies, but just bodies upon bodies, mowed them down, and they just kept coming. And I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Because I thought they did a great job. I also thought they did a great job of showing the landscape of the of, of where they were, from Atlanta, from their time when they went to the CDC, to the farmhouse, to the different you know, uh, communities that set up, even when they went and met the king, Ezekiel, and and when they went and, uh, to Negan's place with the survivors, or or even just little camps, even Woodbury. It was like this, this magical place that was out of the forest, and it was this beautiful, you know, cabin-filled little town surrounded by trees, protected... There's a bit of civilization there. I loved how they did that. And I thought about that as as if the zombie apocalypse was taking place. Besides the obvious death and, and horrible things that would happen, how would these communities around here thrive? You know, where would people live? Would apartment complexes, you know, survive? Would there be a community, maybe a cul-de-sac of houses where people could survive? And 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 I thought that the the Walking Dead did a great show, or did a great job of showing that landscape. And when they traveled, and they went to different parts of the country, and the characters they brought in. They also showed the human side of it early on in the series. People with their families, people with their loved ones, relationships. Because the the thing is... You're with people so much. Look, you're still a human being. You might shut off the relationship button. You might flip that switch. But at some point, it's going to kick on inevitably. Because why? You got nothing else to do. And then you start growing to attach people. Look, when you're trapped in a barn with a thousand zombies and you guys survive, you're going to grow an attachment to that person inevitably. I thought they did a real good job on story arcs, especially with Rick being the leader. Daryl was a huge one. 
Um, Maggie was huge. Even Glenn. Uh, I think Negan, and we'll talk about that too, was one of the best story arcs they've done as far as characters go. That we had other characters in there that obviously didn't make it. Um, but then I, I, I thought some of the other ones, Ezekiel was a good one. Gabriel was 50-50. Um, Eugene, uh, at times I did not like him. I mean, so maybe he played the character well. At times I didn't care what he was doing. And then at other times I was he was like over the top. But I felt like in the end, maybe they did a good job with it. What was interesting to me, though, is when they started to have quote-unquote problems. Now, I could talk about this stuff forever before we get to the finale. It's when they had problems. Some of that was from the writer situation. Now, there was a small writer strike that, that did affect The Walking Dead, but not as long as it did like when Lost came out. The other thing was they started to play around, and I think this hurt them more than anything. They started to play around with the seasons, meaning they would have, let's say there's 10 episodes in a season. They would give you the first five. And I remember The Walking Dead being one of these shows that first started to do it. Others followed, and of course we've seen this on streaming services as well. They give you the first five and then they take a break and come back. And it never under I never understood that. I thought maybe it was a financial thing. Maybe it was because they had, you know, the, at the time they were losing ground as far as TV goes to the streaming services. So they wanted people, they wanted to give people a reason to come back to that channel. I I, I don't know. But I really think it started to piss people off. And I also think that it started to make people not want to watch the show. Like, okay, it ended, but when is it coming back again? And then it, there was never consistency. It wasn't like it ends in October, it'll be back in February. It wasn't like it ended in August, it'll be back in October. It would end in October and be back in April. It wasn't consistent, and that was a big deal. The other thing was they lost some significant writers... And they did stray away from the source material a lot. But to be honest with you, the show never really followed the source material. So to me, that wasn't nearly as big of an issue as the delays, the, the mid-season breaks, and then losing significant writers and people behind the show. That's when I noticed a change. I will never forget, and I don't remember exactly what season it was, it felt like they were literally doing so many different storylines with so many different characters that it felt like I was watching five different shows all under the Walking Dead theme. I would forgot what the main theme was. And then they come back to the main storyline and I was like, oh, I, I forgot about this. Now, I know you have to do that, especially in the wide range of characters that we had, but I felt like they did that too much. Some people said that it was when Negan killed Glenn that things went south. Now, I disagree. That's a pivotal moment. To me, that was one of the coolest things that could have happened. He killed Abraham and he killed Glenn. And it was shocking. And if you read the comics, you knew it was coming. If you didn't read the comics, it was still shocking. It was brutal. Nobody wanted Glenn to die, but we knew it was coming. 
we knew it. And I loved it. I'm a Negan fan for life. Team Negan. Always. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is phenomenal in everything he does. I love him in every role he plays, even if I don't like the movies. I'm stoked for him to be on the next season of The Boys. I loved him in Supernatural. I'm stoked that he's got a spinoff. We'll get that coming. Um, what's the other one? What's that other movie? He'd... Oh, dude. How could I forget? The Watchers. Or no, Watchmen, I mean. Phenomenal. Who else we got? He just did, he did that other movie too, that other DC comic spinoff movie. I, I, I just love him. I, he's awesome. So he portrayed Negan very well. Here's my problem with the Negan storyline. They dragged it out for two reasons. One, they dragged it out. And now it is a long part of the comic books. For those of you that haven't read the comic books, the big Negan, you know, the big saviors and Alexandria and all that Rick War, the Negan Rick War in the comics takes place for a very long time. Matter of fact, it's much better in the comics than it was portrayed on the show. It had moments, but the stuff that, that Negan did to Daryl in the comics, or I mean in the show, he really did to Rick. Honestly, Negan made Rick his, his B.I., his you-know-what. It was his pet. And, they, and I felt like they portrayed that at times because Rick did feel broken and helpless. The, the gut shot to Glenn and Abraham and what he did, yeah, he felt helpless. Absolutely. And they showed that pretty good for a while, but they dragged it out. It got too... It, it, it just got too much. And it wasn't that I didn't mind seeing Negan on screen. I could watch him all the time. It, did, it wasn't... It wasn't that I minded seeing what they were doing. I know it had to be different, but they dragged it. And then they dragged it because of this, the mid-season break. So here we are. You're building up this character, one of the biggest bads in The Walking Dead. And he goes beyond that. Much better than the governor. And we'll, we'll talk about the governor in a minute. Even though Negan happened after. And you get us excited about it. You get us totally excited about it. But you drag it out. You take a break. And then you come back and you give us these other storylines and you take a break. And then you have a lot of the things like kidnapping Daryl, who, by the way, was not a character in the comic books, strictly made for TV. He's a complete fictional character. He was never in the comic books. Now, he was a breakout star, and I don't know if they anticipated that, but he was. But yeah, so you take Daryl, and you torture him, and you beat him, and you put him in a cell, and you basically break him at some point, which is what he did to Rick in the comics. So they, they changed that. So I think there were some things, even for the people that didn't read the comics, were like, what's going on? And then you finally get us to the point where they're going to have this big, bad war this episode, right? They had these little moments, these little squimishes, these little moments where, you know, they're fighting each other here, fighting, but this was going to be a war, right? And it was over in like 20 minutes. It was build up, build up, build up, and then over. So I don't think they delivered on that, and I think that's why people look at that point as a turning point, because you took this major storyline, and you kind of dragged it out, 
And then when it came to, hey, let's wrap it up, you didn't do a very good job of wrapping it up. It's kind of like going back to the governor at Woodbury. A lot of people didn't like that. They didn't like the guy who played the governor. Uh, He was okay. He was a little more vicious and demented in the comic books, but I didn't hate him. I mean, I hated him. Like, I hated him. The way he spoke, the way he acted. Sleazy, slimy, garbage guy. But that's what you wanted. I thought they handled the governor pretty well. I mean, we got to learn a little bit of his backstory, which I thought was important. We learned his backstory a lot sooner than we learned anything about Negan's. We only heard bits and pieces of Negan's. We didn't know what what the truth was, unless you read the comics. But the governors, I thought they handled pretty well. In my opinion, anyway. I just didn't like him. I thought they kind of dragged out some of the prison stuff. Um, the Terminus thing, that was a build-up that lasted to one episode. I mean, that was it. I, it wasn't a big thing in the comic books, but again, they made, they made it more important. And they stretched out. Now they brought it back. They brought the Terminus thing back with the, the cannibals and all that. I don't know. Then there was a moments that I I really didn't like. And these are the moments that didn't make sense to me. This is my constructive criticism. We did a lot of jumping around. Way too much jumping around. With characters. Characters going here. Characters going here. This character's story arc going here. This character not. And it, it, it almost became the fact that they were focusing on every character trying to build them up in an episode each character had their own episode or episodes and that was half the season but really the season went nowhere and and we didn't need it i didn't need all these and maybe i'm gonna get crucified for this wouldn't be the first time i didn't need all these episodes with carol carol's this carol's this they handled carol well and then they took it she, it reminded me of The Godfather when you saw Michael's sister, this frail little I got beat up and um, now I'm going to go back to the family because, you know, whatever. And then in Godfather 2, she's like, oh, Michael, give me money. I'm bouncing around doing this to Godfather 3. I'm going to take care of Michael. And she's almost like this old like gyp- Italian gypsy woman who's poisoning mafia bosses and I'm like what I understand that obviously she went through things just as Carol went through things but they did it with so much like Carol became this amazing assassin she couldn't kill anymore to Carol wanted to kill everybody to Carol needs to go live in a cabin by herself like to Carol's this broken woman who just wants to make cakes like it didn't make sense and every episode or almost every season had multiple episodes focusing on Carol I just didn't feel for it. I didn't, I'm not saying I didn't like Carol, but it did get to the point where she was kind of white noise to me. It doesn't mean that she was bad. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying she's a horrible character. I'm just, we started to get these episodes with characters that didn't matter. We got episodes with characters that died right after their episode. So why'd you spend all this time telling me about this guy like I'm supposed to care or this girl and she's dead? Don't care. 
didn't care. The Whisperer War was interesting. I thought that spread out a little too long. Now, I liked the Whisperers. I love the idea. And they were creepy in the comic book. The idea of these people that embrace the dead, that wear masks of the dead, skin, dead, to blend in, camouflage, to hide with the dead and live among the dead. They realize we can't defeat them. We reject the other humans, the living. The dead are our protectors. And they live amongst them. Controlling them almost. Controlling the herd. Shifting the herd. And, and I like that idea. It's very disturbing. I thought the, the girl that played Alpha, who is a very great actress, I, I'm not sure I really liked her as Alpha all the time. I'm not sure I did. I love the connection that Negan, where he's joining and he ends up, you know, in the end killing Alpha. I love that. And then Beta came and took over and he went crazy. Like, it was cool. That was cool. But again, it kind of dragged a little bit. I felt like they dragged too much. And maybe that's what Robert Kirkman said when he said, look, I want to get to 350 episodes or 350 issues and I'm done. And he only made it like 192. He's like, look, I got there too fast. Maybe The Walking Dead needed to end before that. Maybe. If it ended at season eight, we might be talking a different story. I'm glad it went to 11 seasons, to be honest with you, because even through the rough patches and the people that jumped ship, I, I still stuck with it and there were some good moments. I think some of these groups that we met were kind of pointless. You know, those girls that lived on the beach, I, I don't care. They all died anyway. Seaside, they were called Seaside. They all died anyway. All of them pretty much got slaughtered, so who cares? I just, there were there were little moments. One of the big things I didn't like was Morgan leaving, coming back, and leaving again. I felt like they did that because they needed Morgan to carry Fear the Walking Dead. Because Fear the Walking Dead, which is a horrible name for the show, that's the first spinoff. Uh, the first couple seasons sucked. And then it got better. And then Morgan got on it. And I was like, all right, Morgan's character. He had a good story. He was very connected to Rick. And I like that connection they had. So I didn't want him to leave. And then he gets on Fear of the Walking Dead. So I'm like, okay, inevitably you'll make it back to Rick, right? No. He doesn't die. He's not bit. They do weird things with Morgan. And now he's the lead of this show. And the show is awful. And I'm not blaming him, but they need to end Fear the Walking Dead because it went from like, eh, it's all right, but to, okay, this is amazing, to this is crap, this is crap, to it's all right, to this is crap. And they came out with The World Beyond. And the only two, the only good things about The World Beyond is that we got to learn a little bit about this mysterious group that is going to be and that we see connected to Rick. That's the only thing. And that was only on for two seasons. And they said, quite frankly, that it was only going to be on for two seasons. And it wasn't that good. 
I think it was uh, 20 episodes total. And I watched it. I did. It's the premise of it, if you guys haven't seen it, it's set in Nebraska. Ten years after the zombie apocalypse, it basically focuses on these four teenagers, the first generation of the kids that were born in the during the apocalypse. And <clears throat> they're talking about this colony that they've made and how they're trying to see beyond what's in this colony. And they're trying to go, they're, they're associated with the Alliance of Three. Portland, uh, Portland, Omaha, and the Civic Republic. So you've got the Campus Colony, Portland, Omaha, and Civic Republic. And they are basically trying to, these guys are the ones that are going to rebuild the world. We've heard that before. Now, there's more to them than that, so I did enjoy that because we get to see a little piece of this group that we saw on The Walking Dead. When we met those garbage people, that girl would take survivors and mark them as A or B. And based off their letter, they would get picked up by this helicopter that had these three rings on it, and that was connected to the world beyond. So, And we saw that... And uh, we saw that on a piece of paper. We saw that symbol everywhere. We saw that. We know that Rick was taken away on that. But The World Beyond was not a great show. We see a little hint of that in Fear of the Walking Dead. But right now, Fear of the Walking Dead's garbage. It's just not a good show. And one of the biggest things... I think that really made me not like what they did with Morgan was he was so connected to Rick in the beginning. Rick worked him through his mental, whatever, craziness. Morgan went and found Rick and actually did the same for Rick, helped Rick out, got connected with Carol, got and helped them out, and then left again. I just, why are all these people leaving? That's another complaint I have. And I want to get into the finale before I tell you who I think are my favorite characters, what I think is going to be coming up on these upcoming spinoffs, what I thought of the season finale, series finale, and why one of the worst parts of the shows, in my opinion. So after this commercial break, we're going to talk about the series, series finale of The Walking Dead. There's lots to digest here. There's a lot of characters. We haven't even scratched the surface but I kind of want to condense this into no more than an hour show uh, because I could talk about this for multiple episodes. I wish I had somebody else here. I should have brought in a special guest of mine who is a fan of The Walking Dead, but I'm doing it by myself. So we're going to come back from this commercial break. We're going to talk about the series finale. So if you have not watched it and you want to, then just come back and listen after you watched it, okay? Be right back. Welcome back to part two of the Walking Dead episode, the series look at, the series, I don't know, conversation, the the digesting of 11 seasons, 11 seasons, almost 200 episodes. It's crazy to me. So in this part, in this part of the podcast, I am going into the actual series finale of The Walking Dead. So if you have not seen it yet, if you're behind, if you're just starting The Walking Dead and you don't want to know anything, I'm sure you've already got some 
spoilers after, you know, 12 years of episodes. I'm going to tell you right now there's going to be spoilers. There's going to be spoilers for the series finale. So I'm telling you, come back later. Follow, subscribe, like, share, whatever. And leave now. <laughs> because I've warned you plenty of times. So here we go. We're diving in. No, when I watched the series finale, I got to be honest with you. With the show being as up and down as it was, from great to good to mediocre to moments of just eh, to moments of really, I guess you could say bad, all the way back up to good again. I mean, it, it's been all over the place. The comings and goings of major characters, the time jumps, which is fine. I don't have a problem with time jumps. Sometimes you have to do that. But the time jumps didn't just say years later. It changed major characters. For example, Rick and Michonne all of a sudden were together with really no buildup. Rosita and Gabriel were together and had a kid with literally no buildup. I mean, there was a lot of that stuff and we were just expected to accept it. Rick had a a son, another son with Michonne. I mean, key moments. You kind of got annoyed with that because they did that a lot. But it was still okay. That being said, the show was still good. For a series that was based on a zombie apocalypse. I mean, unreal. But I didn't know what to expect with this series because... The Commonwealth was such a big story in the comic books. The Commonwealth was huge. It was the, the, the ending, the final battle, the pivotal moment. And Rick was involved in it from the start. But Rick has not been there since season nine, and Michonne hasn't been there either. So there was a lot of moments. And Carl is still alive, except for in the TV show. So leading up to the Commonwealth, we saw the power. We saw the organization. We saw the, the military that the Commonwealth had developed. And we saw the dark side of it. How they were taking over communities. How the political powers, the people in charge, how they were doing things. How were they disposing of the people that went against them. All very familiar. And one of my biggest problems with the Commonwealth story, and I mentioned this earlier, was the governor. Now, this is not the same governor, obviously, from Woodbury. He's dead. I mean, dead. Not like could come back. He's dead. But this was Pamela Milton, who was a politician to some degree, and I don't remember, and I don't think we actually found out exactly what she did when the world was running normal prior to the apocalypse, her and her husband and all that. But they were involved in politics and wealthy. And she was running the Commonwealth. From the very get-go, it wasn't that she seemed like a nice person. It wasn't that she seemed like somebody that you could trust. You knew, even if you didn't read the comic books, you knew she was a shady politician and something was going to happen. So again... There's no real drama there. 
Nothing surprised me. There was no shock value. There was no real... It felt very written down. A formula was there. The A, B, and C were going to happen. But I also didn't really know who was going to survive this. Surely, in the series finale, we were going to lose some serious key people. There was going to be death. No way we end 11 seasons in the zombie apocalypse uh, and a war against the Commonwealth and people don't die. And there were. There were several people that died. But then you start to look at it. And before I get into the episode, I just kind of want to talk about this. You start to look at, okay, well, let's see who's left. Well, Daryl's left. Daryl's not dying. He has a spinoff show coming. And we'll talk about that later. And this spinoff show takes place after this. So it's not like a prequel. Carol, probably not going to die. Although she could have because she bowed out of the Daryl spinoff. Doesn't mean she's not going to appear down the road. Doesn't mean she's not going to appear on another show. But she bowed out. So she could have died. Ezekiel. Okay, we could see that. That's a big one. Negan? No. Why? Because he's in a spinoff. Maggie? No. Why? Because she's in a spinoff. So the major players that were there, that were involved since the very beginning, or in pretty close anyway, they were, they were all involved in spinoffs that were happening. There was all kinds of people. Eugene, he had been around a lot longer than I anticipated. He could have died, but he also was the type of character that I feel like he could have died multiple times and didn't, so they weren't going to do it. They weren't going to kill him. Gabriel, maybe. Again, another character that put himself in situations that I thought he was going to die in, but didn't. Judith, they were not going to kill Judith. They were not going to kill all of Rick's children. Well, I mean, most of Rick's children, half of them. They weren't going to do it. So I was thinking, are they going to kill anyone? Now, yes, we lost Luke and we lost a couple other characters. But we didn't really lose anybody that was worth it. I know that sounds crazy. And I know people that watch the show are like, Brandon, Brandon, you're forgetting something. I'm not. I'm getting to that. They started off with the death, the quick death of Luke and all that. Because the, the Commonwealth was overrun by the horde. The zombies were taking over. Why? Because Pamela essentially brought that herd, or the horde, the herd, whatever you want to call them, onto the city to save her own butt. And our heroes, for lack of a better term, our characters, our people that we've grown to know and grown to appreciate we're trying to stop her once and for all and save this community and unite these people to rebuild. Again, that has been a running theme in The Walking Dead. How do we survive beyond? How, how do we get past the point that there's these zombies and the world is over and how do we rebuild and have a future? They have tried numerous times, uniting communities, uniting groups, fighting people like the Whisperers, fighting people like the Saviors, you know, really trying to deal with that. And now 
what they thought was an organized group, an organized city, an organized way of life ended up just being nothing but a mirage and something they had dealt with before. So as they're leading up to this, and mind you, again, the Commonwealth story in the comic books is huge, and there has been a lot of buildup on The Walking Dead. But the actual quote-unquote battle, the final showdown, wasn't a showdown. It was a conversation, essentially, to where finally everybody turned on the governor and arrested her and threw her in prison. That was it. She didn't die. They blew up the Commonwealth or part of it, killed all the zombies, all the walkers, and moved on with their lives. That was essentially the hour and six-minute episode with about 30 minutes of closure, 35 minutes of closure. The Walking Dead has done that several times where they have built up stories and the payoff, it wasn't that it was bad, it was just lackluster. I don't, know what, I don't know what I expected. I thought with the Commonwealth, I thought that they were really going to do a good job and really kind of at least mimic the comics as hard as it would be because Rick wasn't there. I thought it would be possible. But they didn't. It wasn't that it was bad. It wasn't that it was disappointing. It, I guess it was disappointing. It wasn't that it was the worst ending that I'd seen to an angle, but it was kind of like a letdown. But let's look at the show, what it was. We have seen deaths and destruction all season. We have seen people broken. We have seen loss and tragedy, sorrow. Very few happy moments. And the happy moments usually come right before something devastating happens or right in the middle of something devastating. This particular show, this series finale, was about hope. It was about the future. It was about truly, finally, after all this time, after everything that the group had been through, after everything they had been through individually in, the, in their first life in the real world to now, they were going somewhere. They had organization. The commonwealth was now run the right way. Ezekiel took the place of the governor. People were happy. There were families. They were thriving. Alexandria was thriving. All these communities were thriving. People survived. They made it. There was a sense of hope, even with our characters and our, you know, like Daryl, Carol, you know, Eugene. There was hope. There wasn't just, wow, I really hope something good happens. There was hope. There was a sense of, of relief and a sense of pride and family. And that's what I think this the, the series finale was really about. It was also a goodbye, not only to the actors, but it was a goodbye to several others. It was a goodbye not just because of the deaths, it was a goodbye because they knew that their stories were taking them down a different path. Now, we have a scene, and it's as the, the horde and zombies, I gotta stop saying horde, because I sound like I'm saying the whores, <laughs> as the herd, we're gonna call them the herd of zombies, as they are taking over the city, 
Gabriel, Eugene, and Rosita are cut off from the other group because they are trying to find their children. And I will say that there was a moment there. I want to talk about some of the highlights. I'm going to, as we go throughout the, the last half of the show here, I want to mention some of these highlights. There was a moment there when they were hunting for the children that I wasn't really sure what they were going to find. I, because there was still that little part of me was thinking, is the walking dead actually going to kill off these kids? Cause it's not the first time they've done it, but these are little babies. Are they going to do that? And it was pretty intense. It was good. I mean, it was a good moment. Needless to say, they found the children, they destroyed some zombies and they had to get out. They had to meet and reconnect with the other group. Well, at this moment they get separated and as they're scaling up the wall, Rosita's got a baby. I'm assuming it's her baby. Gabriel's got a baby. Eugene's got a baby. There's these kids that are strapped to them. And they're climbing up. And there's a moment as they're climbing through the window, Rosita starts to slip. Now, you assume... She's not going to fall down into this zombie mob that's ready to just rip her to shreds. They're not going to kill her and her baby, but you never know. And sure enough, she slips and falls. And I have to tell you, at that moment, minus the horrible dialogue and acting by Eugene and Gabriel, at that moment, I was like, oh my God. Not so much for Rosita. I know she's been a major character. She hasn't been a favorite of mine. I've liked her in some storylines, but I also don't have that. I don't, there's no connection. Like I just thought, I'm kind of like, okay, whatever. But because of the baby and then the cheesy, I am Sparta, Russell Crowe music kicks up and she pops up with her weapon or sword. It's not even really like a sword. I forget what you call them. It's got like spikes on it. And she starts hacking the zombies and gets on top of one of these vehicles. She doesn't look beat up. She doesn't look hurt. The baby's not bleeding. She ends up making it inside the window. Again, the music was awful. The scene was horrible because it felt forced. It... The one thing that The Walking Dead has always done was made drama and made key moments really well. And the last couple seasons, maybe because of the writers, maybe because of the directors, it just felt forced. Like I was supposed to be excited. I was supposed to be committed so you know into this show that every little moment I was going to feel. That might have been the case had they not taken forever to bring this season out. Had they not split it up into three parts, had we not waited for so long to get something from this series, but I didn't care. I was like, oh, okay, she's alive. And it's, it's not to say that every time there's a show like this that main characters have to die for it to be a good dramatic show. That's not what I'm saying. But tease me a little. Speaking of teasing... It brings me up to another part of the show. In the second to the last episode, Pamela, the governor 
of the Commonwealth shoots Judith, Rick's daughter. Shoots her. She's bleeding out. Daryl's trying to save her, takes her to a hospital. There's nobody there. We don't know what's going to happen. But the problem is we do know what's going to happen. Judith's not going to die. She's not going to lose an arm. She's not going to lose an eye like Carl did before he died. She's going to live. We know this. It's not even believable. It didn't even make for a moment that said, oh, she's dead. She's got, oh my God, she's hurt. Oh my God, I can't believe Judith got shot. There's like a 13-year-old girl walking around in the zombie apocalypse, kind of turning into a little BA herself. Of course there's things that could happen. So her getting shot? Yeah, it sucks, but it's not shocking. And what happens? She makes it. Daryl gives her a blood transfusion in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. They cart her away. They, they, they make it. She survives. And again, I'm okay with I'm okay with her surviving, but it was the way it was written. It was the way it was presented to us that made me go, yeah, I, I never doubted it. It didn't even make for good television. Now, on the opposite side of the spectrum, some of the best stuff that I have seen in season 11, well, anything with Negan, I think you guys know that. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's just great. But what they have done with Negan and Maggie, the dynamic, the confrontations, the conversations, the fact that these two work really well together, the fact that Negan knows a lot about Maggie, what she's going through as far as the vengeance side goes, and so he can really kind of connect with her in a way that is disturbing considering he is the man that killed her husband, brutally. And then teased her about it. But he's also the man that saved her son. And didn't do so for, a, for an award or kudos or to become friends. Did so because he is not the same Negan. Their dynamic has been great. Their, their dialogue has been great. The, the two moments, the two scenes that really stand out to me in the series finale was when Negan apologizes to her. The way that he does. First off, how you apologize to somebody for, you know, for bashing, hey, I'm sorry I bashed your husband's brains in with a barbed wire, barbed wire baseball bat and made his eye pop out in front of you. I don't know how you do that. That's not like, hey, I'm sorry I ran over your dog. So it was a great, it was great dialogue and Maggie's reaction was great. And then later, as it's over and they're settling down and they're getting ready to live into this new world that they're rebuilding. She has a confrontation with Negan, not a confrontation, a conversation. And she basically says, and I'm not going to, you know, quote it. You guys have to watch it. She basically says, look, I can't forgive you. I'm glad you told me what you did or how you feel. I'm glad you said what you said. Because it made me realize I can't forgive you. But you earned your place here. But there's going to be days that I'm not going to be able to work with you or look at you. And you're just going to have to understand why. And she dives deeper about her son and about her dad and about Glenn, her husband, and, and the images that she has of him. So it's a really interesting thing to hear that because it's the first time that she dived into that moment. But yet she said, you've earned your place here. It's a big, bold move. 
And I love the two of them working together, which explains why they probably thought it was a good idea to have a spinoff. So that was great. The nod that Negan gives Daryl an acceptance of each other, like, hey, man, yeah, you did it. You know, I don't like you, but yeah. This is it. This is about as good as it gets. But as they're having dinner, and they're really Thanksgiving dinner, to be honest with you. I mean, there's a turkey. It looks like they're all there for Thanksgiving dinner. A certain amount of time has passed. Now, that could be hours. Could be 24, 10, 12. We don't really know. We all speculate. And I got in a debate with somebody about this, and I'll tell you why. They're all having a good time. It really, truly is. It, it looks like the cast of The Walking Dead celebrating the end of their journey, and they just filmed it. That's what it reminds me of. But yet they're all kind of in character, you know? So it almost felt real. The emotions felt real. Judith is watching everybody. Now, mind you, she's healed. She's up from a gunshot wound. Some time had to have passed. Rosita is sitting at the table and smiling, drinking. Gabriel, her husband, which, oh, by the way, probably the worst couple I've seen on The Walking Dead because I literally felt no connection to them. I never felt like they loved each other, they cared about each other. It felt very written. It, it did not feel real at all. It was a really, in my opinion, just a pointless, pointless couple. And I don't blame them for that. I blame the writing for that. Gabriel sits down and he's smiling and she's like, I just want to remember this moment. I'm taking it all in. I want to remember this. And then Gabriel's holding her hand and she looks over at him and she leans into him and whispers something. And I got to tell you, I don't know what it was. I thought maybe she was pregnant again. I didn't know. That, or that she's leaving because everybody in The Walking Dead leaves. Michonne's like, hey, look, I'm pretty sure I have no proof, but I'm pretty sure Rick's alive. So I'm going to leave my two kids in the zombie apocalypse with no cell phones, no FaceTime, no social media on this horse and go try to find Rick, even though I have no proof of where he's at. And oh, by the way, I have these walkie talkies, but at some point, they're going to stop working, but you know what? My kids will be okay. And she just dips. You know how many times Rick left, Maggie left? People just leave. Ah, you know what? Whatever. See, I got to go do this. Like, like, it's the worst thing. But anyway, I was not sure exactly what Rosita was going to say to Gabriel. But what we find out is, inadvertently, she got bit. Now, the only time that, I, that she could have got bit is obviously when she fell as she was climbing that wall and the zombies got her. However, there was no blood. There was no teeth marks. There was no struggle. It was a hidden bite, which that happens. That happened to Carl. That happened to other people. And she tells Gabriel this. There's been no signs of her sweating, getting sick, nothing. The next scene, 
is that they're helping her walk into the bedroom where her daughter is sleeping. Carol's there, Daryl's there, Gabriel, Eugene, and her daughter. And they all kind of inadvertently say their goodbyes while they let Rosita lay next to her daughter who she just got bit by a zombie hours ago, day ago. She's going to change. <laughs> they let her lay down. And I understand that you want to see your kid before you die. Fine. But Gabriel prays for her. Then leaves his wife with the daughter and lets Eugene sit there and have his moment with Rosita as he watches Rosita just lay there and die. Now, here's my problem with the whole thing. And people debated me on this. People brought up Carl, and I'll get to that. This whole show, when people have been bit, they have literally executed people on the spot. They have sent them away. There has been a change happening faster. People have started to change quicker. Granted, if you're healthy or not injured and you got a bite, depending on where it is, sure. Absolutely. But when Luke got bit and was bleeding out, got bit on his leg, and was in the hospital, he died pretty darn fast and pretty bloody. Now, he got some other things happened to him. He got bit a couple times after that. But still, he died fast. And the minute he died, they stabbed him in the head to make sure he didn't come back. Why would you ever risk Rosita potentially changing and biting the daughter, attacking the kid? Like that, it was stupid. It was pointless. And how long did it take for her to change? Because this whole 11 seasons, we've seen people change pretty fast or at least show signs. Now, somebody brought this up to me. Well, Carl lasted the entire night. That's not true. That's not true. Carl got bit went away in the corner down in the sewer when they were trying to escape and survive because the saviors let those zombies in to Alexandria or wherever they were. And he was sweating and breathing heavy. Said his goodbyes. He wrote, he wrote his letters to Negan, to Rick, and I think somebody else, and died. And Rick the next morning contacted Negan. Carl showed signs. Even the way he was walking, he showed signs. Every single person has showed signs when they got bit, but not Rosita. Now, I know the actress said she wanted to go out this way. That's fine. But I think it was completely unrealistic. I think it was dragged out like this is the final death of the show. Like, oh my God, Rosita, because she's been around for so long. Who cares? This isn't Daryl. This isn't Carol. It isn't Ezekiel, for that matter. It's not Negan, Maggie. It's not one of the kids. I know Rosita, Rosita was a pivotal part of the show when she came in, but it just felt forced. Again, I felt nothing. And I've talked to other people, and I know it can just be my opinion. And if you liked that part of the show, that's great. But I've talked to other people that said, yes, it just seemed kind of odd, the timing of everything. And then Gabriel leaves. I got to tell you, man, I don't even like leaving my son for the day. 
and there is no zombie apocalypse. You think I'm going to lay down next? I'm going to go to him and give him some love while he's sleeping, and y'all better take me away to protect my son. Like, I'm going to make sure he's in good hands so I can go transform into a zombie. You let me walk around for a bit and then shoot me in the head and I'll be done. I'm not going to lay down and just lay down next to him. Like, that's insane to me. And it doesn't go with anything that they were doing in The Walking Dead. It just didn't make sense. And again, it was obviously long enough for Judith, who just got shot a day ago, to be fine. So, come on. I mean, give me a break. 12-year-old gets shot in the shoulder by a big gun. You think she's just going to pop out like the next day? Nothing? No big deal? And apparently we can just spread this zombie apocalypse or this zombie virus for days? I didn't like it. And I also didn't care about her death. But maybe they were stuck in a position because they couldn't kill everybody because they were all getting spinoffs. So it's, you know, again, though, the theme of the show, minus these things I talk about, was a happy, positive ending. Daryl and Carol had a great conversation. Other people were reunited with their families. We finally saw Judith's brother, Michonne's and Rick's son. Again, he'd been disappearing forever. Negan's wife disappeared in the last two episodes, so who knows what's going on with that. But they do those things. Oh, Negan's married now and he's got a kid. What? They just put it together. No big deal. So as we're getting ready to leave, <clears throat> Judith has a conversation with Daryl. She tells Daryl, because Daryl says that he's going off again. I don't know where. They never say where Daryl's going. And he says, if I... If I see your mom out there, if I find something, I'll, I'll let you know. If I find out that Rick's alive or your dad, I'll, I'll let you know. Well, Judah says, look, I've heard from my mom. And the last thing she says was that she found evidence that Rick was alive. Now, mind you, Daryl had been looking forever and found nothing. That's why he disappeared in the first place. Where he's going now, who knows? And, and she, Judah says, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to leave. I wanted us to be together. You know, because that's her family. So what does Daryl do? He leaves. Oh, well, I'm glad you told me. Now I'm out of here, kid. Like, what? <laughs> See you later. Everything's peaceful and happy now, except we're out. Deuces. But they had to do that because they're setting up a series, right? And that's not the final end. Everybody's waiting, right? Everybody's waiting. We get our moment with Michonne and Rick. Not together. Now, if you remember correctly... And this was the only good thing about the world beyond is we got to kind of see the birth of the CRM. Which, by the way, the CRM is not in the comic books. They're not. They are not. The, the, the Commonwealth is very different than the CRM. And the CRM isn't a thing in the Walking Dead comics. It's the Civil Republic Military. And they were part of the Civil Republic. Now, the Civil Republic is an even bigger, bigger organization. Something of 200,000 people. And that's the helicopter that has those three circle symbols that took Rick away. Now, they have, we have heard bad things. And if you watch The Walking Dead World Beyond, we saw what 
this paramilitary group does, this paramilitary police does to people that they believe are against the CRM or against this organization, the civil republic. We don't know who's running it because, again, it's all new. There's no source material. We don't know if this is going to be another larger group of people that is just going to overdo their power and abuse their power and we're going to have the same story again. We don't know. We do know that they do experiments probably to try try and find a cure but their experiments could also be the cause of the variants we have seen the zombie variants we saw some in the beginning we saw them again climbing the fences taking a rock and smashing a window using motor skills that zombies had not done before and i thought they handled that pretty well actually and i thought the reaction by Negan and some of the other survivors uh, and characters of the zombies kind of evolving was different was, or was really good. I thought the reactions were great because some of them had seen that in the early beginning of the, of the show. I mean, season one, but we hadn't really seen it all the time. And they also didn't abuse it. They didn't make them do anything outlandish and they didn't make these zombies where every single one was a variant. But the variants could just be a natural progression. It could be they are learning the longer these zombies stay alive. They're learning. Or it could be because the CRM is experimenting. I mean, when they took Rick, remember the A and B thing? We don't know exactly what that means, but they took Rick. Well, at the end of the show, they show Rick writing a letter and sticking that letter in a glass bottle and he tosses it into a boat. Now, that boat just happens to look like the boat that Michonne finds. And she finds all that evidence that Rick was alive after everybody thought he died. Now, the CRM is based in Philadelphia. It's based in Philly. We can only assume that when we see Rick at the end of this episode... And he's got no shoes on, he's in mud, he's by water, and there's a burnt-down city in the back that that's Philly. That's what we can assume. I could be wrong, but I'm just, I'm just guessing. As Rick is getting ready to move on, the helicopter, a CRM helicopter with that symbol, is flying above him. And with a megaphone, there's a man saying, there's nowhere to escape, please stop where you're at. Rick, there's nowhere to go. They know him by name. So clearly Rick has escaped, but Rick is also wearing a jacket with the same logo on it, the same symbol. So two things, he stole the jacket to survive, or he actually joined the CRM at one point and maybe found out more than he wanted to know and didn't like it and decided to run. Maybe. Because Rick gives him a shit-eating grin like, okay, come on, get me, I'm gonna kill you, like we've seen him do before. Flashback to another scene, and we see Michonne on a horse in decked out gear. And I'm talking like, she looks like she took this off the set of Black Panther 2. I'm like, Michonne, you can't be stealing Wakanda stuff, okay? And wearing it to The Walking Dead, no matter how cool it looks. Because that's what it looked like. But she was on a horse, and the helicopter's still telling Rick to surrender. So you think that she's right there, like... Oh my God, she gets a vision of Rick. But as she looks down into a field, I don't see Rick, helicopter or anything. I just see, I mean, 
tons. We're talking, the whole field is covered with zombies. And she rushes down there with a horse. Like she's Genghis Khan and she's going to kill them all because she's determined to find Rick. And that's how it ends. So they kind of handled the quote-unquote return of these two major characters in a very strange way. I don't know if I liked it or disliked it. It's kind of confusing, actually. But I'm glad that they brought them back because we've been hearing about the Rick movies for years and then we now found out about the series. And thank God it's a series. And there's rumors that there's six to ten episodes, but that's a lot to talk about with the Rick and Michonne thing because we got to find out where Rick has been. We have to find out who took him, why they took him, where Michonne has been. You don't think that these two are going to want to get back to their children? I mean, who knows? It's The Walking Dead. So I think they're going to explore that, but they got to, there's a lot to cover. But looking at the other two, the other two spinoffs, recently, Daryl, Norman Reedus, had an interview on Jimmy Kimmel, and he said, look, I'm filming, you know, the Daryl Dixon show. It's, it takes place in France, but he said, there's other areas that takes place in too, but he says, somehow I'm, I'm in France. I get put there and I am taken there, not on my own free will. So that does sound like that somebody be able to take him out of the country. It sounds like the CRM because they seem to be the only ones that have that type of power. So there's that connection to Rick again and the CRM and what happened. So I'm very excited to see what that does, you know, who he encounters there. The fact that they're in another country, different landscaping, different, they're just different people. And now he's being brought there. I think that's really cool. Let's look at the Negan and Maggie show. I think it's, what's it called? City of the Dead or something like, I don't know what it's called. Um, which takes place in New York, not too far from Philly, right? Could that show connect? as well to the CRM and to finding Rick. Are they, are they in New York? Cause they got a clue about Rick. Cause remember Rick knows nothing. Rick has no idea that Negan's out there survived killing people. Like when Rick sees, I, I want to see a Rick Negan reunion because Rick is not going to have the same feelings that some of these other people do towards Negan. I think Rick, <laughs> Rick might kill Negan to be honest with you. But are they there hunting down leads? It also is supposed to take place several years later. Now, I don't know the timeline of the Daryl Dixon show, how far that is after the series finale. But Negan, Jeffrey D. Morgan said, this takes place several years later. And they are in New York and there's new confrontations and that Negan's old ways pop up again. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to turn around, start bringing a baseball bat around, turn on Maggie and kill her. But I have a feeling that Negan's going to be forced in a situation. And it's going to, he's going to battle with the new Negan and the, old battle, and the old Negan, battling those demons. We've all been there. We've all had those old ways, those old demons, those things that haunt us that creep up sometimes. I know I do. And it's horrible. Because when you've been doing something for so long, it's, it's hard to break that mold and that habit and change. And there are circumstances that could put you back into that. So I think 
If it's several years later, could Negan's wife be missing or dead? Or could somebody have taken them and that's why it brought them to New York and maybe that's the connection? I think ultimately what we're going to see, at least my dream, and it would make sense, is these three shows have a short run but a good run to give us the background and, and, and create a story. They eventually connect and then we have a final whatever and they end it. Because Fear of the Walking Dead has to end because that show's just gone off the deep end and it's not good. It'd be great to have Morgan on this side of the tracks, but whatever. So I think if these shows, whether they're one season each, and then you have another final, I don't want to say final Walking Dead season, but a connection, whether that be a war with the CRM or whatever, but you got to end it. Maybe, maybe you take the comic books and you give us that ending in the comic books, but instead of the Commonwealth, it's the new Civil Republic. I don't know. But you, you can't keep dragging this out because sooner or later, people are just done. I mean, I'm surprised that The Walking Dead made it 11 seasons because there was some serious hate around season, about season eight, season nine. It was probably the end of season nine. It was some rough stuff going on. But I'm excited. I think there's a lot of possibilities here. Um, I love the characters they picked. I do, however, think it's it's a lot of spinoffs. But there's also a lot of story to tell. And I think it's, they're all going to have very different feels. I don't think that any one of these shows is going to feel the same. And I don't think if people are looking at it and expecting The Walking Dead... I don't think you're going to get that. I think you're going to get unique shows based on these storylines until either A, they reconnect, or B, they just all end and it is what it is. So what do you guys think? What did you think of the Walking Dead series finale, the whole show? What were your favorite parts? I know I'm missing a lot of content, guys. I didn't really want to break down the entire episode. I just kind of wanted to give you my thoughts. I watched this twice, so I had to, I had to go back and look at a couple things. But overall, what do you think of the series? You can email me at the life of an average Joe podcast at gmail.com. You can always go to the website, the life of an average Joe podcast.com. Drop your comments there. Of course, I'm on all social media platforms. Any comments, any messages. Love to get in a discussion. You can leave your discussion comments right here on Spotify and Anchor. Ask a question. What do you think of the series finale? Give me your, give me your thoughts. Do you even care? <laughs> Did I spoil it for you? Guys, I got a lot going on as we wrap up this this year. It's crazy, this year. I mean, we are winding down. We have part two of the hip-hop episode coming up, which I'm sure will piss everybody off. I've got a special guest, Nick Luck, with a year in review. We kind of go through and look at the streaming uh, shows that we watched. We look at everything from cartoons to documentaries to TV series, different platforms, the hits, the misses. And by the way... We don't talk about the major franchises. We don't talk about Star Wars, Marvel. I, I wouldn't call DC a major franchise, but you know. So there's a lot. We had a lot in a year in movies and streaming. We had so much, so that's coming up. I also have a uh, another end-of-the-year episode. I have a Michigan episode coming up with the guys from the Notes McGoats podcast. We are going to be at the Pistons game in just a matter of a week. So I'm sure we're going to be doing some social media stuff and a quick live, whatever that may be about. 
maybe about Detroit, maybe about the Pistons, maybe about nothing, maybe just a drunken conversation. Who knows? But we got a lot going on. And don't forget as well, you can go ahead and check out the link. We've got those beanies coming out in January. I am excited. The new beanies, hopefully I can wear them more than one time in Texas. But we're going to take uh, some orders for those beanies. Uh, I have a mock-up coming. I should have it any day now. And uh, I told them to design a couple of them. So I will post, and I'm going to have you guys vote on which one you think I should get. And then we'll have those ready and available in January, in the new year, when it's supposed to be cold. So there you go. Lots going on. Also switching platforms soon. So uh, there's a lot of cool stuff happening behind the scenes. It doesn't necessarily matter to you guys, but I've got some platforms, uh, you know, platform in particular that I'm working with, uh, sponsors, you know, Groggy Dog, all that. Uh, we're doing some fun stuff there. So, of course, you can still get your winter. We still have the winter tattoo balm. I got all those links up for your discounts on the winter tattoo balm from Lucky 13's Tattoo Aftercare. Don't forget to check them out. And we'll see what else we can get into as we approach 2023. Insane. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. Love to hear from you from The Walking Dead. Be back next week.